Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan, and I'm your host for the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Jonathan Donnelly, aka JD, Penn State University grad who is currently living in Boston, hyping up crowds at local bars and venues with his DJing skills. JD, welcome to episode two of the American Grown Podcast. Thanks for having me, Austin. Real pleasure. I've been with big fan of your work, your family's work for years, and uh, I've been watching podcasts so much the past few years during COVID. What better way to be with you and just bring all the passion, energy to your own podcast? So yeah. th- thanks for having me. I'm no, pumped no. to be here. Thank you for coming. I'm glad you made the, the journey, and uh, I wanted to start off with a little, we are Penn State. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, I got to ask... I'm curious, is there any special occasions why you're in town? Because I know, uh, you know, Boston's a good, what is it, like eight-hour drive? Yeah, it's about, it depends on the traffic in Connecticut getting through there. But it's it's not too bad. It's pretty straight. Um, Actually, I took the train. Pretty convenient. Yeah. So anyone that wants to go up there, you just go into Philly, you get into Philly, and then you make your way up to Boston. It's probably about seven hours or so. Okay. But the reason why I'm here this weekend is yeah. it's my sister's 16th birthday. Whoa. Little sister Maggie. Milestone for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It feels like just yesterday she was just a little girl watching me play basketball. And yeah. now she's up in high school. She's working now. She's playing sports. So oh, phenomenal. Big year. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, and she gets her, she goes for her permit um, test on Tuesday. Whoa. That's all she's been oh. talking about. Is she she's stressing? Is she oh, yeah. yeah. Cause she knows I told her when it, I was that age, it was like, you have all your different tests, your school tests, something about that test. You just like, I was so nervous about because yeah. you knew once you got your license, everything, the freedom started, right? My friends were getting it. So yeah. she's like, I just need this. I need to get this. So exactly. she's excited. That's great. Yeah. yeah. That, that's crazy. Cause you say how you're feeling older. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, when you were in high school, basketball and, and being an athlete like you were and taking pictures. And now that you're living in Boston, graduated from Penn state, it's like, Wow, dude, time flies. It's crazy. I know. Um, Getting close to the big 3-0. Yeah. Which I just can't believe. Yeah. But I just turned last October. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. getting up there. It's, it's crazy, dude. I remember sitting next to you like on the bus, elementary yeah. school. <laughs> oh, that's way back. Yeah. And then I'm picking up my sister who was at on, on Friday after school. And I'm just like, my gosh, where is the time went? Yeah. It just comes before your eyes. You start to forget as you keep getting older. You got to a big city. Once you come back, it all come, it comes back to you. Like the memories, you're just yeah. like, my God, look at everything I've done the past few years. Like I was nervous about this before. Now my new nerves are about stuff that I wasn't even thinking about at that age. So exactly. it flies by after school. Yeah, and your priorities change, yeah, and your stresses change. You know, you're like, oh, you're worried about those tests or getting that uh, driver's permit, then your license and stuff. And it's like, man, that was small, small stuff, know. you know, compared to, you don't even think about it now. You, you don't, you really don't just work, work, work routine. And, uh, you're just, you're like every day just mashes together, especially lately past few years. You yeah. just get so stuck up on it, but no, man, I'm pumped to be here. I'm glad you got me on here and, uh, be here for about a week. So just looking forward to just being oh, nice. home. Yeah. I'll be home for about a week or two sometimes. And I'm like, all right, I have my fun ready to go back up to boston yeah yeah so you, you like it up there is this kind of like a retreat you know you come home to just get away from the the party life because we'll talk about that yes. a little bit later on the podcast yeah, refresh a little bit relax yeah forget yeah. about work for like a week or so and definitely then get back into it and that stress comes back but yeah happy yeah. to be here awesome so let's you know throw it back you know you mentioned your family a little bit mm-hmm. and uh what was your your early childhood and early life like uh, i'm talking like middle school even early high school um, you know, what was that like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a lot of sports. You know, I didn't really realize how much my life was revolved around like sports. Like everything I did, I played baseball since I was a kid. I played basketball since like second grade. That's how all I was doing. I was playing on like travel teams. I was playing all different youth sports, figuring out like what I liked. Mm-hmm. So that was the majority of my life. And when I went into school, 
I knew I was like, I want to be professional in some sport. That's all I saw myself doing yeah. my whole life. I saw my height. I was smaller. I'm coming into like middle school. And I remember going into seventh grade and we had like a tryout. Seventh grade basketball. I was probably like four foot 11 at the time. Okay. We have like these big guys from ninth grade I was playing against. And uh, I, I was playing very well, like very confident. I remember getting pulled aside afterwards saying, would you want to try out for the ninth grade team? And I'm thinking like, is that, are we allowed to do that? We can skip grades like that and play hoops. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like, you mean eighth grade, right? They're like, no, you want to play freshman basketball. So that like consumed my life then. I ended up playing freshman hoops when I was seventh grade. I look back at pictures now. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I was tiny. But I played on that team for like three different years on the freshman team until I eventually like got into high school. But that consumed me, the sports, baseball I was always doing. I was always with friends like in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But you really realize older you get, <laughs> we'll be going to like trivia nights in Boston and you have all these different categories and they know that I'm terrible at trivia. Yeah. Once the sports category comes on, That's, they look at me. They're yeah. like, okay, now you can actually help. Right, right. But I didn't realize like everything I did was so cons- consumed in athletics. Right, that, w- that was your life. That's that, it. That was your life. Yeah. And I remember, um, so just to kind of for all the listeners out there, um, Color Tech Creative Solutions Studios also has uh, Blue Cardinal Photography, mm-hmm. which covers local high school sports. So I'm one of the photographers. I would go out and photograph a team and individual pictures and then the action shots. And I remember, you know, certain athletes would stick out in your head. And uh, it was always like yourself, uh, Isaiah Trimble, you know, you didn't have the height, Isaiah. but you yeah. you had the skill and you played, I think, more than you, more than you were, honestly. Yeah. Like watching yeah. you guys play was like adrenaline rush for yeah. me and i'm just there taking pictures you know uh, you guys really balled out back then yeah. I, in my opinion yeah um, so I appreciate that yeah seriously as you're in high school and uh, it can be friends or coaches but did you have any mentors or anyone that you looked up to yeah and you know it's i know you had on coach bear yeah the first episode yep. so he was a big mentor of mine growing up because now that you mentioned that i was also on track and field and i remember he was the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. He, would, he would call me because I was doing basketball, baseball in the spring. Track just fell in the same season as the spring sports. Mm-hmm. He would call almost every year, leave a voicemail like on our main phone, trying to get me to go out for the track team. And I probably would have if yeah. it was like a different season. But that always stuck with me. I knew like he did so much hard work trying to really recruit that team. He found talent like a young age. Mm-hmm. My sister's been, she was doing the same thing when she was my age. So she, he, she was, I'm sorry, he was huge. And then we had, if you know, Coach Dissinger. Oh, yeah. Coach Dissinger, I yep. remember back when I was in first grade, I was the water boy. Okay. The varsity team. Yeah. I remember watching those guys, guys like Roger Castlegrand, um, Jared Kleinfelter. They call him oh, Lou. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the assistant coaches now. Mm-hmm. So I remember that like yesterday being like the water boy and then Coach Dissinger, as I kept getting older and older, he found his way involved with like every sport somehow in Cedar Crest. Yeah. Now he's the athletic director. Yep. So you had Coach D, you had Coach Bear, and then Coach Groff was another big one for oh, me. Coach yeah. Groff at a young age taught me so much about discipline, love for baseball. As I got into like that seventh grade, he was actually a ninth grade coach. So I played with Coach Groff then, playing with like a bunch of bigger guys. Mm-hmm. But I learned a lot about just like, you know, just like the self-discipline, making yourself tougher, how to play bigger on the court. That helped me as I progress out of school. Yeah. Those those like three mentors for like coaching. And obviously at home, like I looked up to my dad a lot too. He always pushed me a lot through school, through sports. Those experiences, what I learned, I am so thankful for it because it really goes back to when I went into college, started working now, I really use like that same athletic discipline. You learn so much about life in sports. So a lot to give back to those guys. With, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, and those are three great, great mentors there. Oh, I mean, yeah. And uh, he's he's the principal now. Yeah. Groff. Yeah. yeah, he is. So he everyone kind of grew. Exactly. Over the years, it, it's just amazing it, to it's see. Neat. Yeah, exactly. It's neat to see that. And yeah, uh, yeah all three great guys. And uh, I always, again, going in for, for pictures at, at Cedar Crest and the track and field team, um, Coach Bear knowing me so well, and and my wife Courtney, yeah, you know, because yes. that's how we kind of met through track, yeah. and uh, um, just how 
inspiring he is and what's he, what, what he's been through. Extremely. Uh, so I definitely recommend people uh, that are listening, if you haven't heard episode one, check that out. Mm. Um, Rob Bear, phenomenal. Um, and he even wrote a book, Braving Your Adversity. Yes, he which, did. Yeah. It's like, a, it's amazing, you know? Uh, it's, yeah. It's very motivational and uh, definitely emotional, but uh, it's a good read. So Definitely. You mentioned your, your father was, so was all your family uh, supportive of you being being an athlete back in high school mm-hmm. and pushing that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, it was just, that's all I really did. They mm-hmm. just, they supported whatever sport. I think my dad could clearly see like what my strengths were. And he knew like basketball, like that's all I did in the off season. Yeah, like, I was yeah. waking up in the summer. You loved if it. If I wasn't yeah. working, I was shooting. Like there wasn't a day like where I didn't practice. So very supportive, was pushed a lot, but it also helped me do very well in school because all I wanted to do was get good grades to go to like a big division one school. Okay. So that was, that's all I did. And then when I, I got hurt my junior year, I remember it was like the fourth game of the season and I, I broke my wrist. Those that were there probably remember, like I, yeah. I like snapped that thing back. Whoa. So my season was over. That's a big season in sports because you're getting recruited. The scouts right. are there. So I kind of knew in that moment, it affected me like mentally, physically, watching the rest of the season, coming back, just scared of that feeling if it were to happen again. It affected my senior year a lot, but it also was like, all right, there is more to life than just sports. Ended up going to Penn State then for just academics, yep, yep. like club sports. So, you know, there, there was a lot of life lessons learned, but they were very supportive, like my whole life with it. And as my sister now is getting into like her 16th birthday, mm-hmm. she's like, it's like, it's crazy. I hear they're like, it literally looks like you with a ponytail playing out there wow. i yeah. just see like the same things i'm like oh my gosh you're right like she plays hard so i'm happy to see that i had some kind of like an impact on Definitely. her you know? yeah oh that, that's phenomenal i mean it, it, i think the more you can um kind of leave your mark or inspire others or teach others you know the the, the better mm-hmm. you know for yeah. sure and uh, so you hinted at, at college yep. um i saw you went to penn state i think main campus main campus oh wow how was that it was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah I uh, I applied to Penn State, okay. and, if, and if you don't get in the main campus, you go like a branch campus. You would do like the two plus two, but I'm like, no, I want to do GPA is good. Let's get my SATs as best as possible. Mm-hmm. I want to get in first year and just have like the best resume possible. But I only applied to there, and I had like an application come through for like a free one to St. John's in Queens, New York. Okay, that's it. I didn't play anywhere else. Whoa. I mentioned my dad's like a big Villanova fan too, with like the coach Jay Wright, who yeah. had just retired. And the application fee was like a hundred bucks. So he's just like, stick with these options for now. He said, I would rather you just, do you really want to go to Villanova? Because it's very expensive. If not, right. let's hold off on like the fees. Mm-hmm. But got there. It, it feels like yesterday. It's already been, this is 10 years officially since I started this August. Wow. So we had a great time, a lot of pride, passion. It's a big football school, as mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware. Oh, yeah. I miss it every day. Yeah. yeah. So when you first got on campus, what what's it like? So, you know, I went uh, myself a uh, year at Kutztown. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll quick go into a little side story here. I went yeah, to Kutztown yeah. uh, for graphic arts because, again, here at Color Tech, um, we have uh, graphic designers, and, and we do some printing and the photography end of it. And I thought, well, I'm going to be this graphic designer. So I went to Kutztown. I, I did myself did track and field. I was a thrower. Uh, for those that know me, I'm not built like a hurdler or a long jump or anything like that. So uh, I went there for graphic design, and uh, I realized that these people that are going into the graphic design field, and Kutztown's well-known for their their arts, mm-hmm. um, these people are like magicians. They are very good. They're very skilled at their craft. And the one art class, it was Drawing 101. Mm-hmm. You know, And I can draw the hell out of a stick figure, I'll be honest with you. You know, I can really do that. But when it came to drawing fruit and, and vases in the middle of the room, I'm like, wow, this isn't for me. And uh, I kind of realized, okay, come back to the family business. I got my uh, degree from Harrisburg Area Community College or Hack uh, mm-hmm. locally. So I never got the, the, the full experience, you might say, or the, the party right. experience. I think Penn State is maybe like top five or it's something for party schools. There. Yeah, it's, it's up there pretty high. So yeah. so what was it like when you first got on campus? You know, how did you meet with friends and, and get those connections? You said you were in some uh, some sports as well. Yeah, yeah. I got there. I remember that feeling when my parents officially left. You just get so used to that, just them being around your whole life. I remember going downtown to get like my books that first day. And they were gone. I'm like, oh my God, I'm on my own now. 
Like it just was scary. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's very overwhelming at first. It's a huge campus. As the years progress, you realize everything's like very. It's on like the same two streets downtown. The campus, you start to get to know it pretty quickly. But it's it's a massive, beautiful campus. I lived on the west campus of Penn State, which is like back in the day that like was like the main campus. The football stadium was where I used to live. So that was like very common back in the day. As the years progressed there, east side, like the east campus of Penn State, all the freshmen wanted to live there. That like was freshman village, basically. Okay. I wanted to be in West Campus, but it, it worked out for me. A lot of the athletes lived there. So that's all like all like, like the athlete jerseys. So it took me a while to be like, okay, it's all right. You don't have to be an athlete as much as I wanted to be them. Mm-hmm. I'll keep seeing that. They were great kids, like the soccer team, wrestlers, volleyball. Because right next door was Rec Hall, like very historic stadium. Yeah. They now play at Bryce Jordan Center. But Rec Hall, we used to lift there. You go into that gym, just kind of just work out. You could see like that incredible volleyball team, mm-hmm. women's team. Yes, very good. Yeah, they're excellent. Yeah, so it just... And especially like that first, I remember that first football Saturday where you go as a kid. What was that like? Yeah. <sighs> to be there. Yeah, it to, just, to it was just so overwhelming. You just, all the students, like the tailgating and like all, you're meeting friends very quickly. We have like in this area, a lot of students in our area go to Penn State. Yeah. Very common. So we had a lot of like the Cedar Crest kids where we went to high school. They were there. We had like that core group. And then as like that, you started to figure out, all right, what else do I want to do to meet more people? So I started getting involved in like club powerlifting I did. I did club tennis. Uh, I did club basketball. I got involved, and we can talk about this more, but I got involved with the the fraternity life. Okay. Business fraternity. So that was Delta Sigma Pi. So I'm like, all right, let me try to go out for something. I don't think I'm really like Greek life per se, but it was Mm co-ed, professional business fraternity. It can help me maybe network, meet more people. So I did that, and that really took up my time my first year, but... I look back at that, a lot of people that I know to this day, connections I've had, jobs I've gotten referred to, go back to DSP. Wow. Yeah. So so life in a fraternity, I, I, I Googled a little bit, and um, U.S. News did a, an annual survey that the uh, average proportion of undergraduate males who joined a fraternity in fall of 2020, which, again, that was you know, COVID. So yeah. these numbers could be skewed, but they said roughly it was about 8%, you know, of, of males, undergraduates are in fraternity. So what, what is that like? Cause I know yeah. sometimes there's a lot of stigmas just across the board. Um, it's funny. My cousin on my, my dad's side goes down. She's in a, uh, sorority okay down in alabama she went to alabama so oh, i must be fun oh i always see the pictures and it's like man they're living the high life. Do they have houses they oh it's like mansions dude i'm the talking sororities have houses yes the, yeah okay yep, I, she I know up north you can't the sorority oh see I, see I don't know all of it but i know she yeah. does um i think it's something like i forget like i think roughly 90 girls or, or women you know living yeah, living yeah. it and then once you can only stay there for a year though and then you oh, have to okay. get out and get an Let's apartment or something. Up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh, I'm like, man, she's just living like the <laughs> fantasy world. And don't get me wrong, she studies hard. She's getting great grades. You know, I'm not trying to bash her at all. You but, said Alabama? Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Bama. So she's, yeah. she's living up for college right. football. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they yeah. dress in like the sundresses. You know, you dress to the nines. You, you're not wearing like a sweatshirt and just going casual. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, so what what was that like for you? Um, you know, what were your experiences and then who maybe did you meet any key people while mm-hmm. you were in the fraternity that like you're still mm-hmm. buddies with today? Like, yeah. Friends? yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great question. So ours, it was actually, it was co-ed. So it's a little bit different, Okay, but you would call each other brothers. So it could get a little confusing. Yeah. Um, so I started that my very first semester I pledged, which was a lot because I had my classes on top of that. You have to take a language on top of that too. So I took Chinese, and Mandarin Chinese. So I'm learning how to write characters. There's like simplified and traditional, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh, I should just go traditional. That makes more sense. It was actually more complicated. Oh. So not only was I pledging the fraternity, I would get made fun of because I'd be on like my app called Scritter, okay, and I'd be studying and writing characters and whatnot because I wanted to do like I took French in high school, but I'm like, you know what? I want to challenge myself. Maybe I'll do like international business as like a minor in travel. Mm-hmm. So it made sense to me at the time. I mean, I ended up doing pretty well in it, but it was it was like a five credit class that was only four. Yeah. I mean, it was five days a week, which is rare mm-hmm. in college, especially at a big campus. And we had tests and quizzes like every day. And I'm wow. telling you, as soon as we got in there, it was 
we're starting until the bell rings and then you leave. Mm-hmm. Like it was very strict, but that, that was just, just having that and just like being like in the fraternity. Um, <clears throat> I got involved with that. I pledged, it was like a eight to 12 week process. I got initiated in that fall of 2012. And then that very first spring semester, you can bring on like a little where you're like the big. Okay. Yep. So I remember I didn't even go to the big little mixer to meet anybody. Yeah. And the one kid who's like one of my best friends now, Josh, Josh Bruno's his name. I guess he had heard like funny stories about me that I was just like, you know, like the athlete guy or whatnot. He just seemed interested. So he's just like, oh, I want I want to, I want JD to be my big. So never even met the kid. Mm-hmm. I get a call from the pledge education, what they call it, like the pledge ed. He's like, hey, do you want to have a little? I'm like, I, I didn't go to the mixer. He said, well, someone put you guys your number one. Whoa. I remember walking through campus. I'm like, interesting. I said, what's his name? He's like, oh, it's Josh. I said, all right. I mean, I'll meet the kid, see if I, you know, if, if it's the right fit. And, and then we, we got along very well. And then I helped him through like his pledging process. And then as we kept getting like through school, like for me, honestly, I was so consumed with club sports and with schoolwork. Like I wasn't as active as I wanted to be after my first year. Right. I just wanted to do well in school, get a good job. Mm-hmm. But we were both like on the same page. We're kind of like, we'll go to stuff when we can, but we got to stay focused on our academics. So like we ended up being roommates then, like my senior year. So that was great. Just kind of like showing like the DSP, kind of like the bond you can, you can grow with that. Mm-hmm. And I think now like he's in DC and he's visited Boston already. Um, so just, it was just cool. Just meeting the friends through there, just really good connections. And a lot of them for being international, you can just meet so many people and they just, they come in from like, Oh, like the uh, international students that were in it. We had a kid that was a professional golfer from Bangladesh Whoa! and he wanted to go play at Penn state, but they, they found out he was professional overseas. So he wasn't allowed to play, but he was in my pledge class. Another guy, his grandpa owns like a diamond mine over in Hong Kong. What? So I'm just like, you what? serious? Yeah. So I'm just That's like, crazy. let me stay close with these guys. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it won't work out with business and I can go work with a diamond company. Wow. But yeah, man, it was, I look back now, I'm like, wow, DSP really did a lot for me professionally. Mm-hmm. And just like the social aspect was fun, but we didn't have a house. We didn't have a house. Okay. It was like apartments we'd go to by our bylaws. We couldn't have it. The one above us, it was like called, um, AK Psy. They had one, but we just like, we just switch off, like who would like host events. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. And I, again, fraternities, it's all new to me. Obviously, I wasn't wasn't in one business aspect. What is, how does that tie in, and, and what do they do to to help you? Um, I know, like you said, you met a lot of connections, but that's almost at, at any fraternity. So, yep. what does the business part? Yeah. Like, yeah. What does that do for you? We had a lot of a lot of professional events. You had like your requirements you had to hit mm-hmm. in any like fraternity. So, like we had like our normal like pledging events. When I was a brother, you'd have like a new pledge class every semester. They had, they had like the professional chair that was in charge of that. So they would bring in all kinds of companies would come in for like networking events, speaking events. It was very impressive mm-hmm. with the connections they got. And a lot of it has to do with how long Penn State's chapter was in existence. So like previous brothers alumni would like come speak. Okay. They would come to like our big like career fairs and they would know like, this is a DSP brother. Go speak to he or she, because just you know, like if you know someone, it helps a lot more. Oh yeah. Aspect. So. Oh yeah. Networking was huge, but we had all kinds of companies come in. A big thing with us was you kind of had like your your different like marketing, supply chain, economics here and there. Ours was really big in accounting. You had like the accounting. You go into the MAC program. That's the Masters of Accounting program. Mm-hmm. Probably like half of our chapter was in that, so they all wanted to go to the Big Four. So that was like your PWC, Ernst & Young, Deloitte. That's what I wanted to do originally, yeah. watching those brothers. But I'm like, you know what? It's kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. Like reading numbers, matching up. Right. That's why I got into like marketing instead. But learning from those chats, those talks, it helped me realize when I was coming my junior year, I want to be more creative, be a marketer. Although I'm not bad at accounting, it's just not me. Yeah. So just talking to them, it just it helped me figure out like my career path. Especially... Like, like after high school and then college, you kind of realize like, okay, I have to find something. Hopefully you love it, but at least you like to do it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's your life, you know? So you have to, you have to go that way. So would you say, what are you passionate about? Mm -hmm. And then did that help you in your, in your career path and choosing that? Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, 
you like really don't if you if someone comes into college saying I know exactly what I want to do that's either they're making it up or that's just very rare yeah it, you still like to this day you're kind of like is this actually like my passion because like I work now like full time but at the time it was still the same thing I wanted to be marketing business with some kind of sports team okay. NBA team MLB that was still like my mindset because I knew like it was my strength with sports. So you just kind of like understood, all right, maybe like there's more to it than just sports. I, I met a lot of connections through like DSP, other like club teams. And uh, I remember we went to like the career fair and it just seemed like so like forced, just like the talks. I'm mm. like, you know what? I just don't really want to do that. Just be like behind a desk. So funny story. My, my, one of my buddies, he actually worked with Bridgestone Firestone as like an intern. So I, I kind of heard feedback from him because it's just like, that's oh, kind of different. I know nothing about a car, so I had to drive it. Yeah. And uh, they came to the career fair. I talked to them, mentioned my buddy was a previous intern. So that actually got me into, they put you in like an actual like automotive store, which was just like, all right, well, I'm doing like a marketing degree. This has nothing to do with it, but yeah. I did it. I liked it. I learned a lot about like vehicles, automotive. I liked who I worked with. So you just started to like develop a passion for that. And that's actually what got me up into Boston with Bridgestone. Okay. So got like a new passion and whatnot. I still always go back to sports. But as, um, as you'll kind of like hear more about me, like music was always big for me too with like sports. So mm-hmm. through that all, music was always like kind of like my like escape, kind of like, like my, my refreshment. You just kind of like, it was like your own like medicine. So I knew as I was doing that and now as like, as I'm at my age and kind of what I do now. Like music and everything was just above all, just like helped me in like the toughest times and just helped me like grow and just keep like my bo- my mind and body just like fo- focus, I should say. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree when you reference the music because I remember even still now when I go again back to take pictures, whether it's for a football, like a Friday night football game or um, for basketball mm-hmm. and in baseball now starting to do it and they play like the hype music. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It, it, you know, I'm, I know it gets the players in the zone, but even myself, and I'm sure the fans, some of them, you know, because some of the music now, you know, your father or grandfather, oh, yeah. they're not going to no. understand it, but it it's gets changed you, a lot. <laughs> it gets you in the zone, you know, yeah. mentally and it gets you ready yep. um, for, for, the, for that game. So, yeah. So, okay, so you go up to, to Boston, Massachusetts, which mm-hmm. I've never been. I would oh, love really? to go sometime. Oh, you got to come up. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, I'd love to. You got a place I can stay if I come up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. We got connections. I'll, I'll run up by my we wife first. We got some first. space at our place. Oh, seriously. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to just check it out. Yeah. But uh, so what, how was the transition from, you know, Penn State, you were in the fraternity, yep. got a great group of buddies with you, and, and now you're going again, you know, kind of flipping the switch, going up to Boston where... I'd imagine for, for you, because you're born and raised here in Lebanon, mm-hmm. you know, this is a whole new experience. So what was that like? It was scary. It was pretty scary. I remember I was leaving. I did six months in the Catalyst program for Bridgestone at Penn State, right after I graduated. It's like 2017 winter into the summer. I ended up getting the call to move up in that particular, it was like July or so. And I remember talking to the guy. He said, hey, I, uh, if you want to come up to Boston, I can get you in a store here. I can get you here in two weeks. And I'm like, two weeks? How am I going to do that? So luckily, my buddy, who like I'm roommates with now, best friend of Penn State, Joe, he grew up in the area. He was working there. So I called him and I said, hey, I'm looking for a place to live. Can you help me at all? And he's like, oh, well, I'm still with my parents. Just moving with us in the meantime. So I'm like, I can't do that. And his parents like, no, no, we have a guest room. So like I was lucky. It's like my second family. Yeah. They welcomed me in. I remember leaving Penn State. And I'm just like, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm really going for this. Packed up everything in my Ford Fusion. Okay. Like I didn't have a U-Haul oh, wow. or anything. It was stacked to the top. Yeah. I drive. It's like probably five, six hour drive from Penn State. I remember getting there and I'm just like, oh man, this is scary. Like in this big city. But I was lucky to have like Joe, a couple other of my buddies from, from like the Penn State area were also in Boston. Mm-hmm. Very common to be like in Philly, New York City, Boston with Penn State grads. So I got there and I remember, I think I was just like probably just so nervous from like that first starting date. I was kind of going a little bit faster than I wanted to. I remember I got there on a Friday. That Monday I started. It's like we saw the city that weekend. I'm driving to work that Monday, have my GPS in, have no clue where I'm going to get to this Bridgestone, which was like, it was like a 45 minute commute yeah. when I first moved there. And I'm driving like this back way and I'm going like 45 
And then I see this, these lights turn on. I'm like, oh no, I've never been pulled over before. So this cop gets me and he just like, you know what you did? I said, I, not really. I was going like 40, 45. He said, oh, well, it's a little bit tricky. It goes from a 45 to a 25. I Whoa. said, wow, it's my first Monday. Right. I'm a little nervous for work. And he's like, let me go, let me go check my computer. I'll be right back. Comes back. So, you know, here's your citation. If you want to challenge it, you could always, you have like this many days. And I'm like, dude, not even like a break. I know. Like my first, I said, it's I my first gonna, day. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he'd give you a break. No, you know? no. But he probably saw the PA plate. I had the Yankees plate in the front. Ooh. So they take that pretty seriously. I thought so. so. I yeah. Yeah. Boston cop. But, uh, that was my first experience. And, uh, yeah, just, I was just like, all right, well, and it never happened again. I haven't pulled over since, but I remember that day so clearly. And uh, I lived with Joe after that. His parents were just like laughing about that story. We still talk about it. And uh, did my first two months with them. And then I ended up moving into an area called Alston, Massachusetts. It's like basically the Boston zip code. Mm-hmm. It's right outside the city. The city's it's like a small radius in Boston. New York's so big. Boston's like, if you get there, if you live in like Alston, Brighton area, Newton, Watertown is the names of the towns, you can get like anywhere in like 15 minutes. So I was basically like where like Fenway Park is, oh, yeah. not far. I was in Alston and then ended up moving into Brighton most recently, just a town over. Um, but we love it up there. It's so clean. Is one thing I'll say. I don't know. You notice that? Yeah. It just they take such good care of it, like the public workers, and you just notice when you go into like the expensive areas. You're like, it's just so clean in the city. It's yeah, just, it's beautiful. I, th- I think it's with Boston, and again, I've never been there, but. To me, I, I just picture uh, they're very proud people. You know, they're very proud of what they have. Very sports proud. Sports, oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. What comes to mind, um, my wife and I have been kind of binge watching uh, Survivor. Oh, Totally yeah, off yeah. topic, but yeah, Boston yeah. Rob's in that. Yeah, and He yeah. always wears the hat and everything. <laughs> and, you know, you just see the passion uh, with him in Survivor. And I'm like, so that's kind of what I guess Boston's like, you know. And, and of course, with... Uh, with the accents, yeah, right? they all have kind of like a an yeah. accent or a tone to it. Um, You'd be surprised; not all do. Okay, Joe's mom very heavy. Yeah, like she's just like you got to bring your credit card. Like she's like very like thick. Yeah, but most that's what I was told. Like you have like this; they're gonna be complete, very angry on the road. Which that kind of part's true. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah, but in person, when you get them off the road, like you'll be driving and they're like they're like. I'll do this to you and whatnot. When you're off the road, then everyone's so nice and like sweet. And I remember my first month or two, they'd be like, Oh, where are you from? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, Oh, your, your accent. I said, no, no, you have an accent. I don't have an accent. Yeah. They're like, no, I can tell. I'm like, well, like you close to Philly. I'm like, yeah. They're like, we can hear it. Really? It's like the A's and O's. Okay. There's just like the hard R, like the R. Yeah. But that, I don't get it as much anymore. And you start saying some things about trying. You'd be like, Oh, I live in Boston. But you don't try it. Yeah. So, yeah, you just kind of like, you get used to like the culture. But I can tell like that accent has moved out a lot. It's a lot of like outsiders moving into the city now. Okay. Yeah. No. So so you get up there to Boston, learning, you know, you're finding your way around and, and getting that taken care of. So then kind of who got you started in your music career? Because yeah. when I saw on, on Instagram, we connected and I'm like, and of course, I've, I've known you since high school. And I'm yeah. like, JD... Is it DJ? JD like, DJ. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's going on? You yeah. know, I've always known you as a sports guy because that, and you know, as high school is what, what you kind of mm-hmm. were as part of you. So how did you get started in music and who kind of pushed you that way or yeah. guided you that way? Yeah. It's very interesting, unique story. This would have been, I remember I had just gotten back from a Bridgestone trip to Nashville. It was like a store manager training. Mm-hmm. This would have been 2019 winter. I remember coming back and... Joe, who I, I, yeah, he was roommates at that time with me. He had just, he'd finally moved out his parents. He lived with me in the Austin area. And we started talking about like, hey, we always talk about doing like something different, like a business, maybe like a restaurant or something. We just, we got along very well. He's just like, we're, we're driving the Sonic the one night, which <laughs> now it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess they're putting a Dunkin' Donuts there, which is ironic because Dunkin's yeah. all over like Boston. Right. Um, we're driving there. He's just like, what if we did something like unique, like a comedy page? Because we were always doing funny stuff, funny videos in Penn State. I had all this content of us just like just like being crazy in the area. And uh, I was like, you know, I wouldn't be opposed. I don't have much of a plan, but maybe we could do it. And, he, and then we're like, what would be a good name though as we're driving? 
And then I'm just, he's just like, well, we always call Boston Beantown, right? Which, you know, it's just kind of like, why? There's like different like stories behind it. It was very heavy into like the bean trade, like back in the day. Okay. It was like a big event they had of like some artwork, if I'm correct, that showed like a bean pot. So like beans were like popular, hence the name Beantown started. So like, what about the Beantown boys? So that's how it started on a drive to Sonic, my favorite place to eat. Yeah. I was in high school. No, I love Sonic. And uh, we did this comedy page and it was very guy humor, I would say. Did it for like six months or so. And then we try to do something like every day and it was impossible. With like no structure plan. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It, it, it was really hard. We just were like, well, this is funny to some people, but some were like, this is just very like guy, like dry humor. We did that, and then we get into that summer of 2019, and that's when Joe brought up, hey, what would you ever think about like, like music? And I'm just like, well, what do you mean? I'm just like, you mean like producing? I'm like, I've tried, at Penn State, I actually tried producing a little bit, like for fun. I said, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. This is very complicated. Like, it's not easy. You can't just pick it up, producing music. Right. And he's like, no, I mean more like, like the DJing, like mixing, playing. And I'm like, you know what? Never really thought about that. I said... I wouldn't be opposed, like using the Beantown Boys name. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah. I said, all right, let's think about it. Summer goes, we're talking more about it, kind of like a plan with it. I remember we just went for it and ordered equipment. And we're just like, what, what are we doing? Ordering this expensive equipment. And uh, it was in the mail. Go figure, we went, I went to Vegas the first time, that Labor Day. <laughs> so it was perfect timing. We go to Vegas, me, Joe, one of his friends, and we're watching like some of the biggest DJs and artists at some of these like pool parties. And I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, that looks awesome. Like, I would love to do that one day. Came back, all this excitement on that, that Monday, that Labor Day. The equipment came in that day and we're looking at it out of the box and we're just like, what did we just do? We have no idea what this is. <laughs> yeah. But we're like, you know what? Let's try. We uh, looked it up, found some like articles. We met this, this guy online, DJ Phil Harris, his name, Phil Harris. He's out of like the UK, re-DJs. So his videos are very popular, like on YouTube and Instagram. We actually started, like, we got onto his website, enrolled into his classes, started learning the DJing mixing, and that took us, like, a long way. We started, like, actually playing at, like, a couple apartment parties that fall. So we were so nervous. We had no clue if this is what we were supposed to do. We got good feedback, and then we get into, like, the winter. We're like, dude, we can actually do this. We started, like, the content on social media, and that's when it got into 2020, and yeah. we can talk more about this, but we got into like 2020 and everything got shut down. We were just about to open. Somehow we got like in touch with a promoter. He's like, would you want to open for a DJ right where like where the garden is, like where the Celtics play? Yeah. We're like, oh, wow. I don't know if we can do that, but okay. And that week is when everything happened with the pandemic. So they got shut down. So it never happened, but mm-hmm. it just showed like if you just put like the time in, even for like that short a period of time. We're like, wow, we got an opener in like eight months doing this. So, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's phenomenal. It, it is when you put your mind to it, um, how quickly things can kind of fall into place for you, um, especially if it's something you're, you're passionate about. So you yeah. went out to Vegas. Uh, you saw all these different DJs and musicians. Yeah, Tiesto, um, DJ Snake, Marshmallow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what's your, do you have like a, a favorite? Um, like for instance, and this is kind of maybe throwing it back, but some ones that come to my mind, like Mike Studd or uh, there was a Huey I Mack. I just watched them two weeks ago. Yeah, first time live. I saw an awesome show. Yeah, 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 and he's still around. I know he he used to do a lot more. Oh, there was another. Yeah, like the college rap scene. Yeah, Yeah. correct, correct. So, were those kind of um, guys you were looking up to or looking into? Like, okay, how are they doing this? You know, yeah. Mike Studd was big for me because he was an athlete as well. His story is he went to Duke University. He was a really good pitcher. Wow. Yeah. So his real name is Michael Seamer. Went by Mike Studd. He got hurt from pitching with like his elbow, I think he still holds the lowest ERA in Duke's history. So he was like a top MLB prospect at the time. Ended up getting the Tommy John surgery, Hmm. changed his whole career. He was making music and rapping behind the scenes. So he had like his first couple like YouTube, like music videos. And you're like, wow, this guy is like Mr. Party. Like all the athletes were there. He's got girls everywhere. But that was like his, he had to find his identity again. So I looked up to Mike a lot and it was just, convenient that i just literally two weeks ago went to his show in boston yeah been wanting to watch him for years and uh watch his show he was, he was so good engaging the crowd it's like that's a big one but i'll tell you the other one which you're gonna laugh about but um after the show then we go to this place called the greatest bar in boston which is right near like where the garden is 
and uh, it's actually the Penn State Alumni Bar. So I've been there a lot. I'm like, let's just go to the greatest bar afterwards. It's just, you know, it was, it was like a Tuesday night. It's like 1030. The show was over. And then I see the opener come in, this guy named Skis. He's making music with. Mm-hmm. So I met this Skis guy. I'm just like, I was like, dude, what's up, man? I met him, talked to him, we took some pictures. I said, is, is Mike coming? And he's like, no, no, he's not going to make it out tonight. And like an hour or so passed. All of a sudden you see something like his crew come in, but not Mike. I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, maybe he'll still show up yet. And then lo and behold, you see this taller guy. He's pretty tall, but his hood on, which is common for okay. celebrities to yeah. just keep the privacy. He came in. I'm just like, man, as much as I want to go talk to him, I just don't want to be that guy. So, But we're on like the second floor of this greatest bar. It's a massive bar. And I guess he used to go there all the time. Like his college days. Okay. So they all knew him. Well, how could you not? I yeah. mean, with a name like the greatest bar? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. It's but very it, cool. Yeah. 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 But they were, there's like a basketball game. So I had to go have some fun. I'm shooting on this basketball game on this bar. And right next to us is like where Mike's sitting, like his buddies. So I didn't want to like approach him too much and annoy him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like people guarding him. But it's for a brief second. I just looked. He looked. And I just gave him a head nod. And that was enough for me. Yeah. So that was cool. So Mike Stud, big time. Now he just goes by Mike. Just Mike, period. Okay. The other one, anyone that knows me well, especially in my college days, yeah, I love the Riff Raff. The Riff Raff? Riff Raff. I remember watching, big fan of Rob Deerdeck's show, Ridiculousness, oh, MTV. Yeah. Uh-huh. Never watched it. Riff Raff came on. I'm like, who is this guy? What is he doing? He's, yeah. He had a wad of cash in his hand. He had like a zigzag beard. And I just, I loved his personality because he was so unique. I see nobody like him. And uh, he's just like, why, why do you got cash? With it, he said, just in case I got to make a down payment on a car. And he's just like, this guy is just, and I'm watching his music videos on YouTube. I'm like, this guy is something else. Like his lyrics are just out of this world. Just like nuts. But it's so funny. It kept like listening to his music during college. It just, it kept the humor alive. It made me happy because he was just being himself. Yeah. So anyone just like, why are you listening to this guy? He's a clown, man. Like I used to hear but then I started getting like more people listening to him. Like he had like some pretty good like music tracks, like featured artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a really good athlete too. So it also goes back okay. to it. Ties Most in. all know that. Yeah. His cousin is Mac McClung, who played for Georgetown, went to Texas Tech. Now he's in the NBA, like playing. He's on the bench. Yeah. But he was still. like this like six foot one, six foot two white kid who could jump out of the gym. Wow. Like he could dunk, put it behind his back and dunk. So. Riff Raff and Mike, man, anyone that knows me knows like those are my guys. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was, uh, the, the other one came to my mind because Courtney and I actually went to one of their concerts, Time Flies. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Which uh, they're I, back together. Are they? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Because they kind of met, I think, as just two two buddies, college or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we went to see them. Rez and then Cal. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I used, to, I used to follow them a lot and we had some of their merch, like again, this couple years back, but... Uh, I, I saw they had that falling out. So they're back together? They're back together. Rez was an incredible producer. Like, he went That's to it. school yeah. for it. Okay. Cal was just so talented. His voice, that was like my, like, high school, college days. Like, Time Flies, yeah. Mike Studd. You had Riff Raff. Time Flies came to Penn State, like, a free concert at our hub center. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I don't know how much of it, like, he, like, pre-wrote. But I remember someone gave him a hat that just he put up on stage and he just pulled out random stuff that had to do with Penn State and he made a freestyle like rap like on the spot and it was incredible. Nice. Yeah. If it was pre-written, I don't know, but I've seen him make remixes, freestyles, and he just it's it is not easy. I've tried it before. Yeah. Yeah, like in a group, you all kind of try to like rap for each other, like freestyle. Mm-hmm. Not my gift at all. But I love their music. I remember I knew they made it when we had the big Thon dance marathon at Penn State. It's like that big 48 hour marathon. You stand up, you don't sleep for 48 hours at our big Bryce Jordan Center. It's mm-hmm. all for cancer. And I remember their track was like the very first track of the night. This All the Way song by Time Flies. Yeah. Like, oh my God, that's awesome. I think they performed since then, but they like just got back like a month or two ago. So stay tuned. I'm excited to hear them again. That's good to know. I'm definitely yeah. going to have to check that out because, yeah, I, when they split, I was like, oh, okay. And, but I did like their music, you know. Yeah, they were getting uh, big. Definitely some, and I just split yeah. like that. Yeah, that's why I couldn't understand yeah. what, what had happened. So you had those people that you looked up to or, yep. or you wanted to kind of uh, emulate. You know, I've noticed following you on social media, you've played a lot of bars, restaurants, mm-hmm. and clubs. What was maybe one of the, the biggest places uh, you've ever played mm. for and, and roughly how many people were in attendance? You know, I actually think it was our very first show, to be honest with you. Okay. And this would have been about a year ago. Only about a year ago we started playing. 
So this is very recent. Oh wow. We were we were gonna play and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So that's why we turned to production in 2020. We're like, we can't play the club, let's start producing. Yeah. That started that journey. And then I had just finished a Penn State podcast, January of 2021, about similar kind of like college life and like the Beantown Boys and what it was all about. Cause she had no one on her podcast. It's like our alumni director. She stays in touch with like business alumni. She's like, so you got a marketer and an engineer that are making music. This is unique. Yeah. We did that. And I said, all right, now that we did that, it's like some exposure for our brand. I said, let's just go full out, just like blackout social media. Like don't even touch it. Let's focus on our craft for DJing. So we did that. We had like nothing posted for like six months or so. And then all of a sudden Boston opened back up. This was like, you know, May of 2021. And uh, we had like our first opportunity. I remember we actually started we got asked to play in a silent disco in the back of a van. That's how we started. Okay. So I'm just like, I don't want to do this. Like, this isn't us, man. He said, we got to start somewhere. Yeah. We did it. We're playing. You have like the headphones on. Everyone's dancing. But if you took it off, you're like, what are these guys doing? That was fun. We met this girl who was very well known, DJ Scouts. She hosts all these events throughout New England. She said, hey, I like you guys. You guys are obviously talented. What are you guys doing next Saturday? Like, I, I know a promoter that's looking for DJs for this place in Block Island. Okay. Have you ever been to Block Island? No. It's like off the coast of Rhode Island and Long Island, New York. It's sitting out there. You have to go down to, like, the Rhode Island area from Boston, take a ferry to Block Island. Okay. Big tourist area. Yeah. So I'm like, and she tells us this. I'm, she's like, I'll get you in touch with the promoter. It was the next week by Wednesday he reaches out to us. We would like, two days, like, prepare. Wow. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I don't know if we can do this. I'm a little bit nervous. And he's just like, we got to just start. We yeah. just start. I'm like, all right. We get on the ferry. We get there. And I remember, I'm like, this club pretty big. We walk in to get dinner with like their team. And I'm just like, all right, this is a little nerve wracking. We go upstairs. We go get changed because like you, you stay upstairs at this place. It's, it's been around like the 1800s called Yellow Kittens Tavern. We come downstairs later before the show and it was packed. Like, there was probably like three, four, five hundred people there. Tops. Whoa. And... <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I don't know if like we can do this. But we actually ended up having a pretty good night. Mm -hmm. Like we, we did well. People were involved. We had a lot of good content that night. But we've had a lot of our shows since then in places called like the Middle East Club. That's in Cambridge area, Massachusetts. We played at Two Saints Tavern. It's like a university club quite a few times. We've had other opportunities. But I remember like that first show helped our confidence because that was like the biggest crowd we ever had at the time. Now we're going to try and get like, you know, bigger venues and bigger venues. Mm -hmm. But remember, it's like sweating profusely before we're like, like meditating and everything. Get ourselves like calm. I was but, just going to ask. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask. So, it's, it's weird. Your so first when, couple. Yeah. When you're up there, um, you know, DJing and, and before you're, you come out or whatever, you get in your mindset right. Like, what do you do? Do you get into like a different character or like what's your mindset? And then once you start performing, how do you judge the, the crowd like obviously yeah. i've been to concerts and things so i know if people are singing you know it must be good but how, how do you judge that yeah while you're up there we look back now and like the the tools and tricks that we learned originally kind of how you like transition you like loop songs and then once you like looping it you like match the beat and you go into the next one it was very like beginner style so we look back now, we're like, I can't believe we used to do that. But like, we got good feedback. No one really knows yeah. when they're out playing. Oh, if you're right. just playing good music, they're all drinking. Mm -hmm. They're not even really paying attention. So that was good. And then as we got into like the fall, we started learning more and more like the fundamentals, like the mindset. We met this guy named DJ Joshua Carl. Joshua Carl's been playing since the 80s in Boston. Whoa. Go figure. He teaches classes at this place called the Jam Zone. It's right outside of Boston. It's usually a lot of like kids will come in. Kids like our age, like more like advanced DJ lessons. We learned from him and he taught us like the art of that. Kind of like how you you don't come in DJing and you don't go right to like the highest paced songs, the fastest songs. You work your way into it throughout the night. And the goal is you also want to focus on here and there, putting in like a slower track. People kind of like, ah, oh, what's this? Mm -hmm. It's actually a strategy because then all of a sudden the bars will look back saying, why do we make so much more money that night? And you realize you get them to go back to the bar and get a drink. Oh, okay. So it's a science behind it. It's yeah. like a wave. And then you kind of measure your BPM, the beats per minute throughout the night. The goal is to keep everyone moving. You keep it. There's like cue points you have to match up. Once we learn the cue point system, you mark your beats. It's so easy to transition because the mm -hmm. next song's coming in as the next one's finishing. Yeah. 
you don't really, the crowd's still moving, they're still into it, and you want to keep them there where they're not too out of it, like too crazy by like 12, 1 a.m., so you can keep them as long as possible. Right. But if you go too hard, you'll notice, you don't even think about it, people are leaving early because they're tired. Yeah. So it's an actual science, and I'm just like, I had no idea. You would just go to a venue or club before we started DJing. I was like, I don't care who's DJing. I just want to hear the music and get a drink. Right, right. Well, then as you start to learn from like experts like Josh, you're like, oh, wow, that makes sense. I always wondered like, why would you put that on? But it gets you to stay and get another drink. Yeah, Yeah, I I never would have thought about that. I know, yeah. Because I've been to some local bars around here and they'll have music and DJs. And I'm like, okay, why? You had this this banger of a song. Yeah, now you have this slow song. But yeah, now I'm going to think of it. I got to tell Courtney. I got to be like, hey. Other listeners, now I want you to know that. That's why we do it. Yeah, seriously. There is a science to it. And I never would have thought that. Do you guys, this Beantown Boys, Mm -hmm. um, do you have any of your own music? Or how can people kind of uh, listen along? Yeah. We, um, that was something that also was pretty incredible. We weren't expecting when the pandemic hit, we started producing, like I said, so that would have been like around March, April. We just started 2020, um, by like that August, September, we were doing, we had so much free time at the time yeah. producing, watching classes, that same guy, Phil Harris from mm-hmm. London, listen Shout to all his Phil courses. Harris. Phil Harris is great. Yeah. yeah. He's very knowledgeable in what he does. We produce, I produce a song. Our first song was called Big Mood. Joe produced a song called Yeah. So we had that. Another song called Silver Lining. It was very like instrumental. A couple of lyrics mm-hmm. here and there. We didn't have like vocals at the time. So it, it wasn't bad at the time, but we were on Spotify by like that August, which I'm like, how do you get on these platforms? Like we'll never get there. It has to be complicated. Yeah. You just go through a process. You finally get distributor online. You have to get approved for it. It's like like your record label per se. Like mm-hmm. not like signed like into contract, but they use distribute your music. You make certain like royalties off the music. So we did that and uh, we spoke to like a DJ who was pretty, he was actually a Penn State grad and he was like in the New York area now DJing. And we asked him like, what do you think about our tracks? Like some feedback. He said, well, to be honest, I can tell you're new. It's very amateur. He said, but just keep working on your craft now and then mm-hmm. do that. He said, don't release anything for the next year. And then when you're ready, then put out new tracks. So first three, they're still on there. You can get them like on Apple Music, they're okay. on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music. Our latest one we just released, this would have been uh, maybe like a month or two ago, the song Get Ready. That's like a little more, it, you could just you can just tell. Like the elements are there. It sounds like more professional, like mm-hmm. you'd hear. So Joe's like, Joe's like more like the producer, like in our duo. Okay. I, he kind of teaches me everything. He's very technical. I'm more like the marketing and social media. But that Get Ready song, we went from like, we had like five listeners on Spotify before that. It goes by like the month. Okay. And when you're not releasing music, no one's on there. True, right. That increased it to, it was like 300, 400 listeners. Ooh. And then our the actual streams in the song were like close to 5,000. Like it wasn't bad. It's yeah. a good start. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we For did sure. that. And then as that traction helped, we looked back at like our old remixes on YouTube, which you can still find. And we have like a Gasolina remix, like Daddy Yankee. Okay. Like middle school dances. Yeah, yeah. That got like 75,000 views. Wow. And then his Get Ready track, since there was the the actual hype from like Spotify, that has like 30,000 views. So Whoa. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Those are some good numbers. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, bad. yeah, seriously. It's not bad. So we're trying to get now like actual vocalist on it. Right. But it's, it's, it's tough because it, it has to be what's in it for them too. Because their brand name could be in jeopardy. Yeah, it's not like what they want to be released. Right for their for their image. And yeah, stuff. exactly. So what was that like? And to me, it's crazy how Penn State. I mean, talk about like the connections and everything. Um, Biggest alumni network in the world. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you got all the branch campuses too. That's true. So it's just such yeah. a big network. And and it's kind of like everybody knows everybody in some way. Yeah. When he said though, it, it's kind of amateur. I mean, it's kind of like a reality check, but at the same time, you probably appreciate it here. It helped. It helped, yeah. I don't want someone to lie. Right, yeah. Because that'll never get you anywhere in music. Exactly. I'm like, you know what? And I listen back now, I'm like, yeah, it was. Yeah, and I think uh, for whether it's business or or life in general, you don't want to surround yourself with a bunch of uh, yes people that always say yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, hey, that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, you kind of want the the feedback. You need positive people in your life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you're up there doing your thing. Um, You have a couple songs out. I guess... I guess you could maybe use the the Penn State the large network that, mm-hmm. that they have to maybe find someone 
up in the area mm-hmm. or close by to get some vocals. Yeah. Because I think that'd be huge yeah. for you guys. It sounds like the next step, kind of, from, yeah. from yeah. a production it's, standpoint. It's the next step. We have, we actually, from like our last track, Get Ready, we released, we had like an artwork campaign that we did. Yeah. We actually learned from, and it's, it's an investment. Like Joe invested into the Phil Harris. We kind of split the cost for that. Okay. It's a yearly fee, being his classes. I take classes and I do like monthly Zoom calls with Clinton Sparks. So Clinton Sparks is like a world-known producer, DJ, grew yeah. up in Boston. So you got Clinton Sparks, Phil Harris, that's an investment. I, I learned from Rick Barker. Rick Barker was Taylor Swift's first manager. So Rick wow. Barker, they all know each other at that level. So mm-hmm. Clinton introduced Rick Barker in one of his calls, met Rick, took his classes. And then the next, next time, Clinton brings on J.R. McKee. So J.R. McKee is like a streaming executive. So I learned from J.R., so that's like your Spotify and all those. So it wasn't cheap to get into those, but it mm-hmm. benefited us a lot. Because when you're releasing tracks, you need to have like your strategies down. Clinton's like all bulletproof business, like the business aspect. Why some artists you hear, we grow up and they disappear. They didn't take care of their money. Uh-huh. So that's a big thing of Clinton. He's kept his brain sustainable, his brand sustainable. Rick Barker's all marketing. He's so good at marketing. He was so talented with Taylor, getting her music out. Mm-hmm. G.R. McKee was all the actual, he teaches how it used to be record labels. Major label, you sign your life away, they decide what you're going to do. Right. If they don't like you, you're gone. Yeah. He would say it's like throwing spaghetti. They throw spaghetti on a wall, whatever sticks, that's who they go with. Right. Whoever's off, you're gone. Hmm. J.R. teaches that's no longer a thing. It's all about streaming independent artists. You can make just as much money through like your own royalties, through like Spotify and whatnot. Like he's very good at that. So we learned from them, like became like very like experts in, in those trades and like it's really helped us. Now we learn those things. Now it's like, okay, it definitely makes a difference having a vocalist. Like I like that kind of music. So Joe, now we're working with all those guys. There's another guy that found out about us through social media. His name's Sergio Trellini. He's from Switzerland. So he has like this thing called Thrill Production, DMs us. I'm kind of like, who is this? Yeah. He's asking about like, he said, I love your artwork and everything. Like you guys should work with me. And I'm just thinking it's like some kind of spam, spam. thing. It sounds spammy. Yep. Yeah, because you get that a lot. Sus. Yeah. Kids would say sus, right? You get requests yeah. all yeah. the time. You get all kinds of spam people trying to work with you. And uh, I took a Zoom call with him, middle of the work day. You have to do it, man. You got to work it in. Right. Like the stuff that I have to do to make this work, like you'll be in the middle of like your work day. And I'm like, I have a, I have a meeting right now. It yeah. could be something music related. Right. That's what it takes. Yeah, yeah. I talked to him from Switzerland and I liked him. He talked about like his cost to do it. So we ended up signing up with him. So now like he helps Joe like produce music. So that kind of like helped us. He has connections. He's worked with one of Martin Garrick's big well-known DJ. He like opened at the big ultra festival Whoa. when he was 17 years old. Wow. So very 17? talented. He had one of his vocalists on one of his tracks. So he's just like, start with this, look up on Instagram, vocalists, you'll find someone. It's been tough for us. We've been mm-hmm. trying. Yeah. He said, if you want to pay more money, I have vocalists, but it's going to be at a cost. Right. So that's our next step. Uh, okay. But I see Joe always on there DMing people and they're like into it and then they just fade away. Because hmm. you've got to think about, like I said, what's in it for me by doing this. If you release this song, it's just going to fit my brand image. Right. It's all about your brand. Oh, especially um, being an artist. It is, yeah, because it's, it's your brand. It's your image. It's who you are. Yeah. It's how people perceive you. So you're still working Bridgestone, right? You're still working? Not anymore. Not anymore. Because what do you do? Because how do you find time? It sounds like during the day you're, the, you're marketing and, and this yeah. and that. But then You'll like the, this story. Yeah. Okay. I, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. 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 Bridgestone was when I came up. Yeah. I started. I did that for about two, three years. I was so burned out automotive you work till 7 8 p.m weekends my friends are all having fun i'm stuck in the shop on the weekend i'm like and i was on a very good team i was lucky Mm -hmm. it was in natick massachusetts natick's not too far from the city i had this incredible team i just wasn't expecting go figure we were actually named the store of the year in 2018 out of like 2,000 locations so that was pretty cool i was on a good team but it's funny i decided to leave then in that spring of 2019 I went to ADP, payroll company. I'm like, I want to do something more professional now, mm-hmm. like business professional. 180, man. You're in the shop. Your clothes are all dirty. You're working up techs. And I, and I love those guys to death. I would come back in the visit, and I have like a suit on and tie. They're kind of like, who's this guy coming in here? Yeah. 
And I did ADP outside sales in the city of Boston, which is just like, wow, this is different. I'm like downtown, walking through the beautiful Boston Common, the public garden to go to work each day. Wow. Parking up like valet. I'm like, this is like, like, I'm like a rock star, but it, it was just how yeah. their environment was. And uh, there you go. Payroll company just wasn't quite me. I just I wasn't really liking it. It was just a different type of sale than it was in like an automotive. It's like very like force in a way. Mm-hmm. You got to get someone like the pain points and whatnot, those in sales. I went back to Bridgestone again for two months. Didn't burn bridges. I stayed close with them. They knew I wasn't, I was leaving because I was just burned out. Right. Nothing right. personal. So I, I teach that a lot when I talk to like, you know, like students that are still in college. Like just, if you leave someone, don't burn your bridges because you never know when you might need them again. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a partnership thing. It's like a respect thing. So the same area manager that brought me up to Boston originally, he said, I want you in this new, it's called Braintree, Massachusetts. It's like down south from Boston. I helped manage that store for about two months. But I told him, I'll be honest, I'm doing this until I find like something that's a little more me. He's like, hey, I could use the help in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So I respected that. Yeah. One from being at Bridgestone again to going to a place called Toast in that January of 2020. Toast is restaurant software. If you go I've around, heard of it. Yeah. have you? Yeah, Toast I mean, Square. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Redheaded League here in Lebanon. They have it. They, they use it. There's a couple of places here locally because they have like the hand, almost like yes, a big Toast iPhone Go. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's how I first saw it. I'm like, what yeah. the heck is this? I'm like, oh, you just pay right here. Give me your card. You know, we don't take your credit card back, uh, you know, behind the counter anymore. It's all right in front of you. That's awesome. That's yeah. here now. So, so what did you? Toast, yeah. yeah. That was the story. It was three college grads from MIT. 2013 used to meet in their basement. They all left the same company. Brilliant guys. They started this idea. The investors at the time were kind of like, it's too busy. You can't just be another POS system. If you're just doing restaurants, it's never going to work. Because they talked about this mm-hmm. at like our annual kickoff meeting when I went that, that winter. Three guys turned into like 10 people. They paid their first salesman out of stock. They didn't have the salary to pay him. Now he's doing pretty well. Oh, I believe it. Guy. Yeah, I believe so, it. I joined them as part of like their their sales like their sales process team. It's called, I was an enterprise sales coordinator. So after the sale was done, wherever they were at, California, Midwest, Northeast, I worked up all those reps. They would come to me. I would like build the contract, the quote, the hardware to get shipped, the software they're going to use, get the install team to go to their location and install it. Wow. Once that was done, it would go to the post live team, the restaurant success team. I loved it there, right in Fenway Park. I could park there. I was going to go to Red Sox games that mm-hmm. spring. So excited. And, then, and that's when COVID hit. And then we got destroyed in the restaurant industry. Half the company got laid off in that April 2020. So I was one of them. So I was unemployed for about a month and a half, two months. That's what brought me into my newest role, ConnectRN. Mm-hmm. So I've been at ConnectRN ever since. It's nursing software. It was actually, the company was just on Good Morning America last week. Whoa. It was part of like Nurses Week. Mm-hmm. So... That's a startup. When I started, it was 44 people just about two years ago. It's two years ago. And uh, I've had now, I'm in my fourth role now since I started. Okay. Just, just working hard, working your way up. So you can see my journey's been crazy. Yeah. I always tell everyone, don't commit to a vertical industry mm-hmm. and don't think you have to stay somewhere for a long period of time. Times have changed. If you don't like where you're at, go somewhere new. Just don't stay miserable day after day. Yeah. So I like where I'm at now, but I had to find what I liked the past couple of years oh, to I, get there. I, yeah, I definitely agree. It's not like how, you know, our father or, or grandfathers were where you were with a job for, you know, all your life. Married you know? to the company. You're married, yeah, yeah, you're married to it. And, and not there's anything wrong with that if you find something you like but uh, or love especially. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I feel like now, like you said, it's more acceptable and it's kind of like the journey I think most – people go on Mm -hmm. you know to find what you like get a little taste of everything so i wanted to ask you know before we we close out yeah how can our listeners connect with you and follow along you know on your journey and connect with uh, the beantown boys yeah the website used to be very beginner now we have it's like all revamped so the beantownboys.com we had a guy from brazil help make it man great price anyone needs connections to websites this guy's great he helped build it we got that revamped as of like January, around the same time as our ne- our previous release. <clears throat> Get ready. That worked out really well. That's on our on our Instagram. You can just go to the website too. Um, Instagram is probably like our biggest platform right now. So just the Bean Town Boys on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. 
Spotify is like our biggest like music venue. And then it would be like YouTube, like a close second. So pretty much like any like major like music platform, you can listen to us. But definitely stay tuned if like our Instagram, Facebook journey. We have a lot of like our updates and like things that we're doing around the city. Okay. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And all the handles are our Beantown Boys? It's all the Beantown Boys are Beantown Boys. Okay. It depends what was taken right. on the internet, yeah. you know, what we could get. But we were lucky the first ones for the website. So it's been great. We edit that as much as possible. It's come a long way. So definitely stay tuned. And we're just excited to see where this next journey takes us. Before we close out, is there anything else uh, you'd like the listeners to know? I would say, big thing, we got another song coming out. Okay. So it's coming out next Friday, May Is this 20th. a first? Is this a first? Like nobody else really knows? Uh, nope. We started the campaign. Okay. okay. And this is something that Rick Barker taught us. Yeah, yeah. Like the pre-release campaign. So usually like 10 days or so before, we'll start posting the Hype It Up a little okay. bit, like on Instagram, social media. So we have a song, actually it was the guy from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. With this thrill production. It's called Let's Go Clubbing. So Let's Go Clubbing. You can kind of hear like that European style, like dance music. Yeah. Pretty neat. Has like a little bit of vocals in there. Very like quick. That's coming out next Friday, the 20th on all platforms. So definitely listen to that. We're excited for it. And I could tell you we got more tracks coming after that. So a lot of work being done. How we manage this all with our full-time jobs, I don't know, but yeah. it's a grind and it's totally worth it. It's crazy. I was <laughs> going to ask that because you have so much going on and it's good. I mean, still being young, you can do this kind of stuff. Do you currently or do, and this is kind of my last question, but yeah. do you have any merch for sale or do you see that something maybe in the near future? Near Shirts future. And things? Yeah. Near future. We have, my cousin had got me like a shirt, which I can't even find to this day, but it was it was awesome. It's, it's somewhere in Boston and uh, the Beantown Boys logo, we have a silhouette like us too it'd be great yeah. like our business card logo that's kind of like we got to build our brand first in the website but the next step would be like we've talked to like girls i've went to school with like guys i went to school with like who would want to be like the models for the clothing mm-hmm. like hats and like shirts and whatnot we're looking into like stickers you can use like the clubs like magnets so mm-hmm. that's a big part of your business like the merchandise a lot of your sales will come from there so That'll probably be like the next like year or two like plan. Yeah, but no, no, that's it's awesome. Exciting. Well, that, if I get some, I'll definitely make sure I drop some off. Oh yeah, please do. Oh, yeah. that'd be so cool. Yeah, and I'd you know love to have you on again. Um, I would you love know, to be maybe back. a couple years or so. Yeah, and uh, catch up, see how see how things are going. JD on the American Grown Podcast and the Color Tech Creative Solution Studios. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Austin. Appreciate it, man. If you want to see more American Grown content, follow along on Facebook and Instagram username american grown podcast if you received any value please share this episode with friends family and co-workers and lastly subscribe and leave a review if you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast please direct message or email austin at american grown pod at gmail.com